Welcome to the podcast of Apostolic Lighthouse Tabernacle. You can find out more about our church at lighthouseofmaslin.com or join us for worship Sundays at 11. We pray this message will be a blessing to you. Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We worship you. Hallelujah. 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 We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. Why don't we just lift our voices to the Lord one more time right now? We worship you, Father. We love you, Jesus. 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 Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. You may be seated. I'm reading from 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 20. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 20. For all the promises. I want you to say that with me. All the promises. All the promises of God, not some of them, not part of them, not most of them, all of the promises of God in him are yes, or the King James says yea, and in him, amen. This is an important statement. When it comes to his end of the deal, Is he going to keep it? Yes. Are you sure? Amen. That means that's right. I agree. I'm with you. For all the promises of God in him are yes, and in him, amen, unto the glory of God by us. I want to talk to you this morning just on the subject, promises. Will you lift your voices with me again right now? Jesus, we worship you. Jesus, we worship you. Lord, we love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Come on, can you just talk to the Lord with me for a few more moments? Jesus, we worship you. Jesus, we worship you. We worship you. We worship you. We worship you. How many of you ever known a liar? The rest of you are fibbing. It's a pet peeve with me. I cannot, cannot stand to be lied to. Hate it. When Clark was little, you know, kids, they discover the power of the fib. He's a sore spot. And we had some very serious talks about it. Because once a lie is told, trust is destroyed. You say, well, it's just this one thing. Yeah, but then means everything else you've ever said now comes into question. One, one lie, one fib, one bending the truth, one dishonesty erases decades of trust. And it takes decades to regain that trust. It's amazing. Flies in the ointment, just little flies. And the ointment caused the oil of the apothecary to send forth a stinking savor. 
Little insignificant things, oil that was so pricely, so expensive, so difficult to produce. Just one fly, one gnat landing in it made the whole thing worthless in the eyes of the Lord. Dishonesty is something so bad, but God always keeps his promises. Now, I'm going to have a platform I'm going to build, and then we're going to hit it, and we're going to hit it hard and fast. We live in this day in which the word is attacked, and it's attacked even from within apostolic movements at times. You know, we try to, to fit in. We try to explain away things like Genesis. And we don't realize the damage we cause in the hearts of unbelievers and young people and children... <laughs> When we take what the word says, we say, well, it doesn't really mean that. Well, it says God created the world in six days, but he didn't really do it in six days. It was probably six billion years or some unspecified time and six different areas of creation. And really it was an evolutionary process over billions and billions of years. But do you realize that when you do that, it's the very first part of the word of God. Now, the rest of the God, word of God can't be trusted. The rest of it can't be trusted. Because Jesus talked about the creation. So now everything Jesus said can't be trusted. Do you know what the word says? The word said God spoke everything into existence over a period of six days. Do you know what that means? That means over a period of six days, God spoke everything into existence. And everything else that's added, you cannot find it. It's not there in the Hebrew. You have to make it up. It is not there. It literally says in the evening and the morning were the first day. And the evening and the morning were the second day. And the evening and the morning were the third day. And, you know, uh, yes, there's a lot of good people that are uh, old earth creationists. And I'm not sending anybody help, but I'm telling you, it's a dangerous thing when you start eroding what the word says. I've heard, I've heard a lot of things over the years. I, I've heard people say when it said their, their shoes didn't wear out and their clothes never got old when they were walking in the desert for those 40 years. That means, well, they had horses and cows and, and they had goats and sheep, so they made new shoes and new clothes. That's not what the book says. The book says that their shoes never wore out. The book says that their clothes never got old. Every day it looked just like they got it off the rack for the first time. Every day they put on their shoes and they were just as the same as they were the first time they put them on 40 years ago. You know why it's that way? Because that's what the word says. And the word of God is true. The word of God is true. You see, faith exists in every single person. It's just where does that faith lie? Some people have so much faith in the devil, it's unbelievable. They think the, de the devil can do anything he wants, anytime he wants, as big as he wants, as often as he wants. They've got faith. Oh, the devil's just getting me down today. <sighs> There's people, they have so much faith in politicians, whatever the politician says. If they like him, they believe it. I don't believe what any of them say. <laughs> There's people, they have faith in Hollywood. They have faith in trends. They have faith in culture. They have faith in what the masses say. Well, everybody else is doing this, so it must be right. Well, that's not true. There was a point in which everybody thought 
the sun revolved around the earth, but it didn't make it true. The earth revolves around the sun. That was truth. You see, there's people that you have faith. They just have faith in different things. But I'm telling you where my faith lies. My faith lies in the Lord. My faith does not lie in someone with a lot of degrees on the wall telling me what's truth. My faith lies in the one that made everything and spoke it all into existence. That's where my faith lies because his promises are true. You know, I've heard so many different things, you know, that about they try to explain away Jonah. Do you think Jonah was really swallowed by a whale? Yes. Yes. Their bishop quote another minister and said, if I said that Jonah swallowed the whale, I'd, I'd believe that too. I like how Brother Og summed up the story of Jonah. He said, God customized a big one. Because it says the Lord prepared a great fish. The Lord customized the big one. I could talk about Jonah and how there was men in the 17, I think it was late 1700s, early 1800s. He got swallowed by a whale, come out bleached white, by the way. Stomach acid just around. I've heard him try to say, well, you know, when it talks about the Red Sea, they didn't really cross the Red Sea. They crossed the Reed Sea, and the Reed Sea is only a couple feet deep. Problem with that is your faith's in the wrong spot. You believe that God can drown the entire Egyptian army and their horses in two foot of water, but you don't believe that God can part the water. How many angels were down there holding their heads? You know, there's lots of, you know, the, the scripture tells us, it doesn't know, we don't know how long the rock followed him because there was two different rocks that Moses smote with his rod and hit it with his rod and the water come out. But at some point, you know, that rock literally followed them. Said that rock followed them in the desert. I don't know what that would have looked like. I don't know how big it was, but it must have been pretty cool to just see that rock just dragging itself along, splurting out water. The word is full of miracles. And you know what? I don't need someone to try to explain the miracle away. That's not a miracle. It was a natural phenomenon. It was the Lord's star that hung in the sky. It was, I don't care if you try to say it's a conjunction of planets or a comet. It just says it was his star. And his star came and it stood above a manger bed and it led those magi right to it. The word says it was a virgin that was born. You see, once you start getting rid of the promises, there is no stopping it. Until you have today some translations changing it. And so it doesn't say she was a virgin. It says she was a maiden, just a young woman. But you know what? The important thing is, you say, well, that word could go either way in the Hebrew. Yeah, but let's read what they said in the New Testament. In the New Testament, they quoted the Septuagint. And the Septuagint makes it very plain. It doesn't mix words. The Septuagint uses the Greek word for virgin. You know why? Because Mary was a virgin and Jesus was miraculously conceived by the Spirit of God himself. Once you get rid of truth, there is no limit. We live in a world of fiction and make-believe, and show, and pretend, until you can't believe anything that you see with your eyes. You can't believe what you hear with your ears, but there is some truth, my friend. There are promises, and they've been the true since the very first time God spoke his word into this universe, and they're still true today, and I'm holding on to the promises of God. All of the promises of God. 
In that old song, every promise in the book is mine. Every chapter, every verse, every line. I'm trusting in his love divine. Every promise in the book is mine. The promises of God. You see, we, we get faith and we limit faith and we move faith around. But you know, there, there's a few things that we, we are sure of as apostolics. The scripture calls the infilling of the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues as the promise of the Father. The promise of the Father. Over and over again, Jesus spoke the promise of the Father, the promise of the Father. We love to quote Peter talking about it on the day of Pentecost. Hey, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, for the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. The promise, it's a promise. And you know what? Just because someone else says it's not for me, they don't get to take away the promise. It wasn't theirs to give and it's not theirs to take away. It's God's promise. And God's promises are yes and God's promises are amen. And I'm telling you this morning, I've come to remind somebody, there are some promises that I'm holding on to and I know, I don't think, I'm not pretty sure, I know I'm gonna see his promises come to pass because they are yes and they are amen. They are true. God all keeps his word the promises of God I'm going to read some of these promises that have been rattling around in my spirit there are those that we hear all the time but we hear them so much that we don't really give them thought anymore humans are remarkable remarkably flawed creatures and I speak with authority because I am one. We are so flawed and so frail and so obsessed with the right now. If we forget about the past, we forget there's a future, just this infinite now that we live in. Until we just take words and sayings until we don't even realize what they mean anymore. And it does happen even within apostolic movements. We say things so often that we forget what they mean. I want to read some of these promises to you. Mark chapter 16 and verse 17. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Do you know who said that? Jesus said that. Do you know what Jesus has to do? He has no choice in. He has to keep his word. He has to keep his word. You ever been lied to by a car dealer? I told Caitlin she wasn't allowed to talk to the car dealers anymore. I mean, when she walks in, and she will readily admit it. She just got this big, like, glowing target sign above her. This person is going to believe me. <laughs> and God help us if they have a British accent. We are toast. 
you know, they all want to talk to her. Nobody wants to talk to me because my face does not say believer. My face says you are a crook. <laughs> and whatever you just told me, I am quite certain you are lying. I'm the king of the walkout. I walked out in our last vehicle three times. Just stood up. He said, all right, that's too much, walked away. Oh, 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 wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. Now, they just promised me that was the rock bottom price, but when I stood up and walked away, oh, wait, wait, wait a second, let me see what I can do. And they, they went, no, 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 and they got lower about, no, and I stood up and I started walking out the door almost me. No, wait, 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 wait. Three times until the last time, I said, oh, I called the owner himself. They didn't want me bother him at home, but I talked to him personally. And he said, because you're a young family. I can go ahead and give you this very special deal. You know what? I didn't believe a word he said, but the number was what I wanted, so I went with it. You know why I don't trust car salesmen? Because I have personally never met an honest one. <laughs> now, they might be one out there, but I just don't know any. I've not come in contact. I've not purchased one. from. I bought a lot of lemons. I've been lied to by a lot of people. And so when I walk in there, I don't trust anything they tell me. The guy said, oh, man, I asked the guy about a car. I said, why is this price so low? It was beautiful. There was no rust. The interior looked brand new. The mileage was shockingly low. And it was a third of what all the other vehicles in its category were going for. And I said, why is it so low? He said, oh, I'm not looking to make a killing, just an honest living. And all my alarms went, doot, 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 doot. Thought this guy's not telling the truth. And I start looking around and crawling under and digging around and I pull out the oil stick and oh cracked head. <laughs> it was lying. I just don't I don't even operate from a place of trust because I've been lied to so many times. And you know what? We care people carry this stuff over into the kingdom of God. And and employers lie to you, and the government lies to you, and TV lies to you, and the people at the store lie to you, and this person lies to you, and that person lies to you, and, and they, there might be a little truth and you trust part of it here and you can trust a little bit more of it there but you're always on the edge because you've been lied to so many times but I'm come to tell you today the promises of God are not half truths the promises of God are not partial and they are not conditional upon what others may say but God's promises are yes and God's promises are amen and you can take it to the bank you can't take it to the bank. Others may lie to you. Men may lie to you. People may lie to you. But Jesus never, ever, ever lies. And our faith struggles. It struggles in not really appreciating the truth of it. It struggles because we're not sure that he's going to do it. We're not sure that he's going to do it. But you know, we are sure of a few things. We know that God will fill a person with the Holy Ghost. We know it, don't you? Don't you know the sins will be washed away in baptism? You know it. And you pray differently than you pr when you pray for them to receive the Holy Ghost than when you pray for them to be healed because you know he's going to keep that promise. But yet there's this, this wavering that, well, why doesn't he? Maybe he won't keep that promise. But the promises of God are yes. And the promises of God are amen. God will keep his word. 
Another one that we talk about all the time, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. Okay, everybody gets hung up on this next part. And greater works than these shall he do. They say, oh, that's talking about the Holy Ghost. Yeah, that, that, that is, and, and the size and scope. But go back. The works that I do shall he do also. Jesus hadn't filled anybody with his spirit yet. He was talking about the miracles that he was performing. The works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father, and whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. What is that talking about? All the charismatics would have you say that, well, that means you just, you want that new Ferrari, you just start claiming it in Jesus' name. Oh, come on. Come on, people. Just start, just start saying it. I speak 10 zeros in my bank account. You probably should have put a one in front of those. Can God bless? Yes. But God blesses for a purpose. He does not bless. And he said, you, we have not because we ask not. And then when we do ask, we ask amiss that we could consume it upon our own lust. God will bless, but there's always going to be a purpose in the blessing. And if you plan on keeping it all for yourself, guess what? You're just disqualified. But God will bless us financially. And I'm going to get to that in a minute. But you know, when you start asking God to speak to people, when you start asking God to move things into heavenly, when you start asking God whatever it takes, when you start asking God to open the door, and all of a sudden, God starts moving. But where we run into problems is a lot of times we get scared because we don't trust him. I've seen it so many times. People say, oh, pray for my child, whatever it takes. And then I just so I pray. And they pray too. Child gets sick. And they, oh, Jesus, don't let him be sick. But you just said, whatever it takes. Oh, they just lost their job, not the job, Jesus. But you just said, whatever it takes. I'm telling you. When you start understanding, when you pray, God is going to do what you ask. You better get ready for God to do what you asked him to do. There's another. Say not ye, there are yet four months, then cometh the harvest. Now we got to realize that this is King James, and so we say it is a statement, but it's not a statement, it's a question. There's a question mark there. Don't you say, there's still four months, and then it'll be harvest time? Isn't that what you guys say? I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. What does that mean? That means you've got to realize, stop always looking down the road and realize there is harvest right now. There is harvest around us. If you'll stop waiting and waiting and waiting and realize you're in the field right now, start working that field. These are ones we hear all the time, but there are these other promises we don't talk about that much. And they're just as true. Amos 9, 13, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that the plowman shall overtake the reaper 
and the treader of grapes, him that soweth seed. And the mountains shall drop sweet wine, and the hills shall melt. He said there's going to be a day when the harvest comes in so fast. They're going to be plowing, sowing, and reaping all in the same field at the same time. He said there's going to be a day that they're coming they're coming before they even get done sowing the seed for the grapes, planting them grape vines. There's going to be a guy picking it right behind them and going to stomp it. It's going to happen so fast that it's all going to be taking place at the same time. Instead of saying, I'm in this season and I'm in that season and this season's coming and it's just going to start happening all at once until it's just happening all the time. The plowing's happening, the sowing's happening, the harvest's happening. It's happening all at once. God is just going to begin to multiply it. There's another one in Haggai chapter 2. And I love this one. Because there's two layers to it. One's talking about the house, that, uh, the, the temple that Zerubbabel was rebuilding that was just so pitiful, people cried when they saw it. But Jesus was going to come there. And Herod would rebuild it yet again. And Haggai 2.9 said, The glory of this latter house shall be greater, greater than the former, saith the Lord of hosts. But it's not just talking about the temple. He's talking about his house. His house. You know what? We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And we're not stuck in one location, in one city in Israel anymore. But the church is bigger than Jerusalem. And the church is bigger than Israel. And the glory of this latter house is greater than it was in the early house. There's another promise talking about the end times, and such that do wickedly against the covenant, shall he corrupt by flatteries. Oh, we see it happen. Politicians start showing up, and everybody starts getting the big head, and this famous person shows up, and the next thing you know, all the flattery gets just right to the head until they start thinking they're doing it. Such as do wickedly against the covenant shall he corrupt by flatteries. But the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. Isaiah 54 and 2 says this, Enlarge the place of thy tent and let them stretch forth the curtains of thy habitation. Spare not, lengthen thy cords and strengthen thy stakes. You know what he's talking about? He said, your family's been small. You've been struggling to grow. You've been thinking it's never going to get bigger than it is right now. And God speaks through the prophet and says, I'm telling you, you better loosen the cords on your tent. Make it bigger. Make some room. Move the stakes out. Lift that tent bigger because I'm going to fill it. And then there is the great promise. Church, before I read it, I want you to understand that Scripture has layers of meaning. And there's a right now meaning, and there is a later meaning. And when Peter said, this is that, which was spoken of the prophet Joel, I'm going to show you where he was telling the truth. And yet, we have entered in to our this is that. Joel chapter 2 and verse 23. Be glad then, you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God. For he hath given you the former rain moderately. That 
was what Peter, when Peter said this is what was spoken of the prophet Joel, he was telling the truth. They had entered into the early rain. And it was just moderate. And he shall, will cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain, and the latter rain in the first month. Church, we have been in the latter rain. But I'm telling you, we now are entering into the place where it's not what the apostles did and it's not what has happened since Azusa, but we are entering into the place where God is gonna give it all together, balled up into one and added on top of it. Rain, the early rain and the late rain, all in the same month. There are layers of promise here in Joel chapter two and the first part of it is that there was gonna be a harvest unlike anything that has ever been seen before. Verse 24 of Joel chapter 2, and the floors shall be full of wheat and the vat shall overflow with wine and oil. That's provision. That's what that means. It's provision. Provision would be supplied. You know what? I'm not buying in to I've got to start buying up jars of peanut butter and storing away MREs and all this freeze-dried food for the day that the Antichrist comes. I'm not looking for an Antichrist. I'm looking for the Christ. I'm looking for the one that's going to come again. And to quote Brother Cunningham, he said, God's not coming for a bruised, beat up, beaten down bride, but he's coming for a bride that's without spot and without blemish. We're not going out whimpering, but we're gonna go out in a blaze of Holy Ghost glory. And there is going to be provision. There's gonna be provision. You say, what about Biden? Biden's not as tough as Jesus. What about the Republicans? What about the Democrats? They're not as tough as Jesus. What about the Dow's? The, the Dow, what about the NASDAQ? They're not as tough as my Jesus. I'm telling you, the word says that there is going to be provision. There's gonna be provision. Verse 25, and I will restore to you the years that the locust has eaten. Every parent and every grandparent Every person that has a loved one that has lost out with God, I want you to hear this. I will restore to you the years that the locusts have eaten, but it's been so long. The years that the locusts have eaten, the canker worm and the caterpillar and the palmer worm, my great army which I sent among you. God is going to begin a restoration. The scripture talks about when he roars that he's gonna call his people back. He's gonna call them from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south. And it's not just talking about Israel. But God is gonna call his people back and there is going to be restoration. I'm telling you, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk about it a little bit more and I promise you I'm almost done. But church, Joel 2 is changing me from the inside out. I'm looking at everything different because I cannot get away from it. I haven't been able to get away from it since the, uh, 
Pentecost Sunday earlier this year, there's some, we have entered into a new chapter in God's story. We're not waiting for it anymore, but we have entered into the edges of it and it's happening. And if we will begin to understand and operate and look and talk and behave like we've entered into it, we're going to see things we've never seen before. The next promise of Joel's great prophecy is that there was going to be restoration. And it's not amazing to me. The description that God gives, it's something that was eaten years ago. You know, when it's eaten, it's not there anymore. And there's some, you look around and you say, how could God ever... Fix it. It's so bad and it's been so bad. And there's been no hope. There's not even been a sliver in so many years. But I'm telling you, read what the word says with me with the understanding that this is a promise. It's not a prediction. It's not a hope. It's a promise that he is going to restore the years that the canker worm, the palmer worm, the locust, and the caterpillar have eaten. God is going to bring restoration. And we go again, and you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. You know, we say by the mouth of two or three witnesses, you want another one? Here's number two in the same book, want another one? As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be. That's what it's going to be when the Son of Man returns. When Jesus comes out, as it was in the days of Noah. Do you know in the days of Noah what was going on? They were eating, they were drinking. They were having marriages. There was feast. There was plenty. That's how it's going to be. And everybody likes to paint the picture when they're preaching it that there's storm clouds rising for those hundred years. Sky's getting a little darker. Sky's getting a little dark. It might sound good in a sermon, but it's not the truth. The truth was there were no rain clouds. There were no thunder in the distance. There was no lightning flashing issuing a warning. There was just the promise of God. I'm going to send a flood. And they were going about business and there was life and business and families and marriages and children. It was just, they weren't huddled in a corner saying, oh Jesus, please come now, please come now, please come now. And you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. And praise the name of the Lord your God that hath dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never be ashamed. And you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel and that I am the Lord your God and none else. And my people shall never be ashamed. For too long, the people of God have felt like we're somehow lesser or second class as the world mocks and goes about their ways and laughs at our quaint lifestyle and our old-fashioned values and we felt somehow degraded or lesser and we back down when we're talking to someone that's got a fancy degree, whether it's a lawyer or a doctor, and we somehow feel a little ashamed. But I'm telling you, I don't feel that way anymore. I tell everybody what I believe. I told the cancer doctor, Jesus is going to heal my grandfather. She said, you're going to think he's going to take it away? I said, he's going to take it all away you know what I'm not ashamed to be an apostolic and I'm never gonna be ashamed to be an apostolic 
Deuteronomy 28 and 13. And the Lord shall make thee the head and not the tail. I read it again. And the Lord shall make thee the head and not the tail. And thou shalt be above only and thou shalt not be beneath. How? If you hearken unto my commands, unto the commands of the Lord thy God, which I command thee this day to observe and do them. You know what? You've been walking and trusting the Lord all this time. Don't you stop now. You are never going to be ashamed. God is not, I've said it before and I'll say it again. God's not coming for a beat up, broken down, bruised and battered bride. But God's coming for a glorious bride without spot and without blemish. We are going out of this world in the blaze of glory and the sound of a trumpet. And God is going to provide and God is going to bless and God is going to elevate and all the world will see what God has done and then the great wonderful verse and it shall come to pass afterward Peter said it this way it shall come to pass in the last days and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions and also upon my servants and upon my handmaidens in those days will I pour out my spirit. When it says it shall come to pass afterward, it doesn't mean all that other stuff has to happen first. It's explaining to us that this is what all that previous was about. He's going to pour out his spirit. That's what Joel was talking about. That's the point of the whole prophecy. God is going to pour out his spirit. Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 11. This is my last verse. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. God keeps his promises. God keeps his promises. God keeps his promises. You don't believe me. I'm telling you, you've been praying all this time for those people. God keeps his promises. You've been waiting and working, hoping to see it. God keeps his promises. You've been faithful. You've been walking with the Lord. I come to tell you this morning, God keeps his promises. God keeps his promises. I want you to stand with me across this place and I want you to lift your hands and your voices with me for a moment. Jesus. Oh, 
Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Ilamondo Korye Beshala Lamoto Loboto Yashakela. Potoya Shalobotela Lamata. Yes, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus. All right. I built a big base. Did a lot of lead up. It did a lot of explaining. Now, with all of that understanding, I'm going to read this from Joel again. And this is my altar call. This is my altar call as I read it. And I want you to understand it. It's a promise. And the promises of God are yes and amen. Are you ready? Be glad. Then you children of Zion. And rejoice. In the Lord your God. For he hath given you the former rain. Moderately. And he will cause to come down for you. The rain. The former rain. And the latter rain in the first month and the floors shall be full of wheat and the vats shall overflow with wine and oil and I will restore to you the years that the locust hath eaten the canker worm the caterpillar and the palmer worm my great army which I sent among you and you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God that hath dealt wondrously with you and my people shall never be ashamed and you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel and that I am the Lord your God and none else and my people shall never be ashamed and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy your old men shall dream dreams your young men shall see visions and also upon the servants and upon the handmaidens in those days will I pour out my spirit. <laughs>